Episode 45, Growth Plateau. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrapped SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode from Aaron Waikie of Leadferno. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron Waikie, and I'm solo. There's no Darren on this episode. And if you listened to episode 44 back in June, I believe, uh, we had discussed and decided to take a break um, from the pod for the summer. Well, the summer has come and gone, and the fall's close to um, being gone now. And it's just me jumping on the mic for. Darren, he's got some other priorities, um, things to focus on in the business, and this just isn't at the top of his list. And yeah, that's the way those things sometimes go. Um, I don't know how this is going to look. I've never done a solo podcast before, me just talking to the mic. I've been a guest. uh, I've been a host. I've been part of a panel, but solo? I've never done that one before. So bear with me as I try to figure this out a little bit. But I wanted to get back on here just because, one, I love to share. As many of you uh, listeners know, especially if you're operating inside of a small bootstrap startup, it can be really lonely. So being able to talk out loud uh, can be therapeutic, it can be cathartic, and it can definitely help you figure out your own thoughts just in organizing some notes on what to put together on this. And one other thing that it really struck me is, for me, it's always a positive thing too, because there's X amount of time that goes on in between these recordings for Darren and I is usually a, you know, a monthly thing that we tried to do. We've definitely hit times when it was longer. But just in this case, it forced me to look back on June, July, August, September, and a lot's gone on since then. And a lot of times we're so busy just in the grind and working so hard. It's hard to have more of that long-term vision or to be able to review things in chunks because the right here, the right now, this day, this week, especially this month, um, when your life lives and dives by MRR so much, can just seem so focused. So I think that's one other element I really like about it. So when Darren and I, just because we're friends, we talk and text each other on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. When I brought up doing this again, and you know, and I, I kind of knew where his heart was and where his mind was on what he wanted to do, that this likely would be me taking it over and I don't know what's next. And I'm open to feedback um, from those of you that listen too. Um, if you'd like to have me to have on guests every now and then, I'd love to hear about that. Um, if I should get a new co-host, I'm open to that. If somebody wants to uh, throw their hat in the ring for consideration, um, you know, I do have criteria. I want it to be someone I jive uh, well with, uh, things like that. So I don't know. One of those things, if you volunteer and we talk and it's not a fit, don't take it personal. It's just how I want to spend this time too. Um, Or maybe it is just something solo in a little bit different format. So I don't really know, but I'm willing to explore it and figure it out. What I do want to do is definitely put out great content um, for you guys, something that's helpful to you. Um, One of the things when Darren and I were talking and he asked, you know, why I'd want to do it solo, I just feel like there's not enough good content. There's not enough other founders sharing out there. There's a number of ones I listen to, but I always crave more 
And especially when I get those little nuggets that like really mean something and really matter to me or spark ideas. Um, it's just so valuable. So anyway, I won't belabor that any further, but feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at leadferno.com. If you have feedback, suggestions, ideas, uh, or anything else uh, that you think would be helpful. And I'm all ears uh, to listen to that. So usually Darren and I would have some catch up and some banter and back and forth. But in doing this solo, I, I want to start off with what I proposed as uh, the, the lead or the title in this. And that's what I've seen the last almost three complete months now as we're just nearing October ending when I record this and that Leadferno has seen a growth plateau. Uh, August and September were just a couple hundred dollars of MRR increase each month. And October is maybe double that, but it's still in just the hundreds of dollars for MRR being added. And after being on a 10 to 12 month clip of catching some decent momentum and used to seeing, you know, $1,000 being added to MRR every month, it's definitely has caused some concern and some challenges and a lot to think about and, you know, days where you just really feel like you're banging your head against the wall. And I don't know if there's anything I can really point to, right? It's that combination of churn being up a little bit and leads and opportunities being down a little bit. And those things combine to be two bits that equal a lot. And so when I look at numbers and look at the breakdowns of every month, it is just that little creep of churn of a few more accounts and leads and opportunities going down a few more accounts. It really starts to add up. When I look at the accounts that we're churning, it's kind of a variety, right? There's some cost cutting in there. I definitely think that the economy right now is challenging and people are taking a look at where to trim things, um, what are must-haves for them versus nice-to-haves, some looking to consolidate uh, solutions. You know, there was one client that it just really kind of hurt. And I, I had tweeted or ex-posted about this. Uh, the feedback they gave me is like, your product is superior to the one that we're going back to. But we just had a lot of processes set up with them and we want to take that convenience of what's there. Now, we were also a more expensive product, so that weighed into it a little bit too. But it was a really good client that was hundreds of dollars of MRR and somebody I know we would have had a great long-term fit with. And I do think eventually down the road, we will get them back because we are a superior solution, but we just couldn't replace the value of the processes they had in place. And redoing that work and the time it takes to create the new efficiencies and getting that to equal out the, the price and the cost difference. So all of those things combining and then, you know, the leads and opportunities being down, that can possibly be some economy. Uh, it might be, I've been doing like, I definitely had a while over the summer where I was doing less podcast interviews and things like that. So maybe some of that was catching up with me um, as well. It, it can always be amazing the minute you stop something or change things up. It doesn't take much to cause a little bit of ripple or the tide to turn in another direction. And so maybe just that was some of it. But regardless with that happening, it definitely, you know, 30, 60 days into it, uh, the last thing you want to do is just sit there and take it or cross your fingers or hope things change. It's timing a momentary blip. So the things I want to talk about next are what are some of the things that I did to take action? What have I um, started to do? Some of which I've just started to get into place 
And so the dividends will uh, hopefully be coming. But I think it's so important as a founder when you're kind of taking a hit, you definitely have to put thought into how do you, you know, reverse, how do you control what you can and try to get somewhere. So the first thing with quick and easy wins is I just looked, since we do a lot of content marketing and SEO is something I've always been aware of, I started focusing on some of the things that were smaller details, some technical SEO things, site speed being one, and things like that, things that I ignored before because I was just doing the you know, larger things that had to do with blunt force of content and distribution and requesting to be on podcasts and things like that. So this kind of said to me like, all right, now maybe time to finesse some of the smaller things that might make a small difference. But at this point, do what you can to control the things you can control. So that was definitely one that I went to. Uh, the next one just had to do with an internal tool that I use for sales. Our widget that we put on people's website, our web to text widget that you know prompts them that they can text with the business to click it to start a text conversation or use our conversion channels. I'd had a, a couple of our developers make me a tool that would allow me to drop in a, a prospect's URL and then it would layer our buttons in over the top. It couldn't be customized or anything, but it would give them the look and feel of what the you know text us buttons look like on their website in a mobile device that um, I could include in a cold email outreach. And so that always felt really good. Like I was giving them something, I was helping them envision using our product. Well, our lead box buttons that appear on the site have you know changed and morphed. Um, we've added some features. So included in those buttons is a little ellipse where you can put in the amount of Google reviews you have. So you have a 4.8 rating out of 120 reviews. Uh, another option we had was uh, what your average response time was. So, you know, it could say average reply under 15 minutes, average reply under 30 minutes, average reply under two hours, or just, uh, just a general uh, custom, like free simple quote or ask us anything, uh, whatever they felt like combined with how their buttons read, we always preach we want those buttons to make people feel like you're approachable, um, that texting is one of the channels that they can use. And then this added a social proof element of reputation and reviews or reply time or what they can expect in your process. So I went back to them and I had them add this highlights feature in there so we could add in reviews and put that in front of um, people because I just felt like we're not even showing the best part of our product when I'm doing these cold outreach emails, which I do dozens of them weekly. So that was another thing um, that I did was just updated some of the tools I was using in. And I've even expanded too. So I'm using a tool called Local Falcon. And that allows me to drop in a business and then show what their Google Maps ranking is um, within a certain square mile area. It'll drop map pins and show their rankings one through uh, 20 within these areas. Um, and then they recently introduced a nice new little uh, feature with AI that will then make suggestions for their Google business profile with um, how they can rank higher. Do they need to change categories? Do they need to get more reviews? Stuff like that. And then gives them a view of where they sit kind of in the landscape with their competitors um, and what the listing looks like, especially review counts and things like that. So I use the combination of those two items, adding in this search rankings and also gives me a good idea like how good of a customer is this going to be for us especially somebody who has very solid rankings across 100 square miles within their local area that they're going to rank well enough get enough traffic 
Um, and then we can do a great job of converting it for them. So I'm using our lead box maker to let them see, here's what our product would look like on your site, get them to envision having it on their site, a little bit of flattery by showing them their reviews and what they've earned there in it um, as a marketing angle. And then including this report too, just making them aware like, hey, here's how you are doing. Um, obviously, if they're doing really well, that's going to be good flattery. So kind of trying to up my game in my cold outreach and the information that uh, I'm providing people. So that was another thing that I could get, couldn't control, improve the quality of my sales uh, outreach. So it's just been the last couple of weeks that I've put that into play. And I, I'm definitely happy with the value that I'm delivering in these cold outreaches, which you know is important to me. It's um, Darren and I definitely had conversations. Darren is 1000% against cold email. I look at that. I have a solution that I definitely think can benefit businesses. I'm definitely motivated to acquire new customers and I'm just fine doing it. But that being said, I do want to deliver value in that outreach. So when I can give them something that can envision a solution, when I can give them something that has data points like their Google Maps rankings and some possible suggestions to improve those, like that just increases my confidence and makes me feel actually good about sending these out. So the next thing that I've done dives even deeper into cold email and I've hired a cold email service. This is an area obviously in being a, a SaaS owner and, and maybe you're the same way. I'm bombarded by uh, these emails by companies telling me they can help me you know, acquire more leads and lists and all kinds of things like this. I'm, I'm constantly being sold to. So it makes me keen to, it makes me realize like it has its place and when you're struggling to get opportunities and to get demos and to get leads, um, and this is an area I understand because I'm sending cold emails myself, it just became something I wanted to look into. So I interviewed three different companies and got their pitches and what they do and what makes them different and great and, and things like that and some of their case studies. And it was, it was really informative. Uh, I definitely learned a lot on some of like the little nuances and how they go about it. But really at the at the end of it, you know, the three were somewhat similar, I would say from high level differences. The really two big differences was, you know, do they have a guarantee on what they think they're going to deliver to you? All of them said, you know, it's a month to month service, but to start, you have to do three months, right? And, and I get it. Uh, the same I would say for somebody wanting to do a, a pilot or test us, even though it's just a 14 day trial. I try to tell people all the time, like, commit to using this for 90 days. So you have enough data set. You can make adjustments. You can ask questions. You can change internal processes. Like you do just need time. So that totally made sense to me on that. So, and all were similar with that. So the biggest differences came down to like, what would they guarantee you for the amount of leads in that three month period? Ultimately it boils down to this many per month, but they definitely say in the first three months, like that might be weighted more towards the end once they get things nailed down. And then the other big difference was payment options. Some were you know, all payment up front, some were monthly, some were split in two. So not a lot of variance, but that's really what it came down to. Most of them were really similar in building lists, their list sizes. There was a little bit of difference in some said, hey, whatever list we build, if we build a list of 30,000 or 60,000, we will turn that list over to you. So you own the list if you want to do other outreach or market to them after we do in our timing and our sequences, you're more than, than willing to. And some didn't include that uh, in their service. When you ask, then 
they might give it to you, but it isn't something they put forth as they lead with as, as one of their benefits. Almost all of them talk about, you know, using AI to enhance those emails, you know, cut down on writing and content creation and, and trying to find the, the right angle. They're all going to test, right? They're, they're all going to put things out there, break things down in smaller groups to start with. What do people um, reply to? Um, what do they engage with? Obviously, with cold email, they're going to do a lot of tests on how to get into inboxes, right? With length of the email, not including links, not including attachments, things like that. Obviously, deliverability is the first thing that they're trying to achieve. And then after the tests, improving, right? What are their cycles to listen? How often are you meeting and talking? How well are they surfacing performance and, and information to you? So there's quite a bit to it. And yeah, we kicked that off, I would say, roughly, I think, three weeks ago now, between two and three weeks ago. And I will say the start of once the sends happened. So the initial process, that went really well. I would say I might not be the typical customer. Their feedback sounded that way. Like I had a lot to give them. I have a lot of content. I have a lot of messaging down, the angles. I, and I've been doing cold email myself, but you know, it takes me two to five minutes to do a cold email because I look into that customer. I'm not just putting together lists based on XYZ criteria. I'm going to their website. I'm seeing how many reviews they have in Google. Uh, I'm writing any connections that I might have. So even though I'm starting with something um, standard, I'm personalizing it. I'm making them that uh, lead box image so they can see the buttons on their site. I'm now running this report. So it's a much different uh, approach to what's there. Um, so I had a lot of information, a lot of angles. I'm a marketer. I'm opinionated. But I also tried to get out of the way and let them do some of their things. And so that initial process and creating all those and getting everything put together and ready for launch, smooth as can be. Now, some of the things after launch were a little rocky. I would say what we ended up with is a disconnect where I had approved some content and then I think they iterated um, and went a little further on some content. And it just ended up stuff that like I'm not comfortable with. Kind of some words with you know guarantees, inflating some of the results or... Not so much inflating the numbers, but explaining them in more of a vague way. And it just really didn't connect. And the first couple of like calls that I got from a result of it, people were definitely more interested in lead gen than lead conversion. So it was a little bit of a mismatch. And I had to spend the first parts of the call. I had one where completely not interested because 100% lead gen was what they needed above anything else. And the other one I was at least able to convince them and they had you know, interest into where Leadfernal could help them with conversion. So I kind of had to declare a, a full stop and we went back together and started uh, reworking the content and that was all brought to me and approved and they're not sending anything without my approval. Um, and this week has been really good. Set a number of uh, calls and demos. Some of them have already taken place and have next steps coming. Others are scheduled a little bit further out next week and even a, a couple weeks down the line. So I feel like those adjustments went really well. And for me, the best part with it is now the, the reach out, the content is far more accurate to what I'm going to provide them. And to me, that was really important. Like I, I get they feel their number one job is to get a reply, right? And so they probably feel to some extent, whatever we can do to get a reply, like we'll sort it out from there. And for some of their customers, that might work just fine, but it definitely didn't gel with me. I never want to be misleading, dishonest, things like that. And as it was kind of skewing that way, we definitely needed to recalibrate things. 
so yeah, feeling pretty good about uh, how it's going now. I haven't closed uh, anything, but a number of things that are in my funnel have a clearly outlined next step, follow-ups, in communication, things like that. So as we go along here, I'll definitely keep communicated with that. I will say when I was interviewing, I, I, I did skip over this in my notes. You know, the thing I was looking at or, or wanting to take place is I had targeted a, a payback of seven to eight months, right? So my investment in spending on this was if I land, you know, X amount of calls, I know this is what I usually um, convert in those. And if what they say they're going to deliver, I deliver that percentage, I will then get payback in the MRR that totals what I paid out for this in seven to eight months. And after that, then it's, then it's profit. And I feel really good about that based on our retention, that if we hit that, you know, anything under nine months, I'm going to feel good about. Now, if I can do an even better job on conversion, and to me, this is why having leads that are aligned so well, if they produce the number of leads that they say they're going to do, and now instead of me converting 30% of them, which is probably my average um, for demos, if I can convert 50%, now I could even push where if they get me a few more leads, I close a few more leads, we could push as tight as like a three or four month um, targeted payback period. And to me, that would be really exceptional. That's the kind of marketing that that would lead me to continue to do this more and more. Uh, if it is seven to eight months, I'm definitely still in consideration seeing how those pan out and play out and where other leads are coming from and what that volume looks like. But if it's three to four months, I will absolutely continue to do this uh, each month and stay engaged with them on it. So anyway, that's that. Uh, I will try to bring more uh, data and what takes place with that as we go along. Um, but definitely. Uh, really interesting, interesting to go through. It's the first time I, I've ever done it. So I've definitely learned a lot uh, with it and just getting smarter with it every day and seeing what's there. All right. The next item uh, that I had on here was doing a case study. And we had done some kind of small things where we had customers weigh in on quotes when we did blog posts about a certain industry or a certain feature. But I wanted to do a full-blown case study. And I had one customer in mind just from how interactive they are with questions and needs and how much they were using our, our product and things like that, right? I can see the message, the, the message volume and the lead volume and things like that. And so it was a pest control uh, company based out of Oregon. And one of the cheats I, I had for this is at my last company, GatherUp, we did this with like six of our best and biggest clients. I mean, we actually hired a company to do this. That company's called Case Study Buddy, and they were phenomenal. Uh, they're ran by Joe Kletke, who's definitely worth a, a follow on social media. But and when we hired Case Study to Buddy to do this for Gather Up, like they handled all of it. They did the phone interviews, they transcribed all the notes, they put it together in a draft. We approved it, our client approved it, then they turned it into like a beautiful looking PDF. So I feel like in doing this myself this time, I definitely had a cheat sheet. I'm already a content person. I write a ton of blog posts. I create content. I do presentations and slide decks. So none of that was going to be a, a problem for me. I took the angle of uh, creating a Word doc and I put, I think, eight to 10 questions out to them. They you know, very thoroughly answered like four or five. Some of the questions ended up being redundant. So as I do this, I'll probably actually shrink it to like six to eight questions. And then after they answered all of those, then I started looking at, you know, started getting the story in my head, what this was going to look like. 
Uh, they definitely gave me some information that was surprising to me. It got a little further down than I realized and how they're using our tool and what was really beneficial to them. And then that just allowed me a couple other areas that I thought about this story and kind of wireframed it out. Here's a couple areas that are missing. So I followed up with them with more specific questions to get information that I know would support the story that I wanted to tell based on their feedback and how they answered the questions. So the end result that I think it's a, it's just a fabulous case study. I'll, I'll link to it here in the sh- show notes it ended up being about six, seven pages total. A little bit is, you know, uh, fluff and some imagery and like a kind of overview sheet on, on Leadferno at the end, but just really outlined a great end to end case study. Cause they not only use this to help generate leads, but they use this across all five of or 25 of their field service techs that are out there. And they're texting people after services and following up and letting them know what they did and what to expect and when the next service will be and what they'll be treating then. Um, and it was just really eye-opening to how crucial we are within their client communication. And they also surfaced some of the you know metrics that were important to convey in it, one being that they have doubled their retention. So 100% increase in their retention rate um, in the last year plus of using Leadferno. And they really feel like we're a big key to that because they're communicating so much better and keeping customers on because people are happy. They understand what they're doing. They're getting timely information. They don't have to ask. They don't have to spend 10 minutes talking to the pest control tech that was at their house. They get a follow-up text that has all the information. The techs love it because they don't have to have those conversations. They're able to send that out. So uh, if you're interested, you can read the case study, but there's a bunch of great quotes in there and really picked out some things that uh, are really awesome. Now, how that translates into me and into selling one, it gives me content to use as a blog post and to put out there for SEO and other things. But now I'm starting to do cold outreach just to pest control companies. And not only with the report that I talked about and the lead box that I talked about, I'm linking them back and saying, here's an example of a pest control company and how we help them grow to thousands of customers and improve retention and respond to leads faster. And so you can read about a business just like yours. Um, so it turns out to be just a great piece to help make my sales process even more valuable. So in the end, I'm definitely going to be doing more of these case studies. Uh, I definitely have other areas of home services, uh, legal, um, real estate, things like that, that are, are key areas and industries for us that I want to have one in each of these industries, uh, to be able to not only put into our content marketing, um, but to put into my sales outreach as well. So. I'm definitely excited about that. So just as I alluded to, let me know what you think of this. Is Solo okay? Uh, Did you get enough value out of what I shared with you today? Uh, Or are you thinking I should plug something else in? Is there something you want to hear about? Is there someone you think would be a great addition as a guest or a co-host? Maybe guests are a great way to audition for co-hosts. Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. But feel free to send me an email, aaron at leadferno.com. So with that, I just want to say thanks for bearing with me. And I hopefully will be talking to you in another two to three weeks. That's kind of the cadence I'd like to get to is a little bit tighter um, than a month as I do this with the SaaS Venture moving forward. And thanks a lot for listening and thanks for your support and glad to be talking to you guys again. All right, take care. Mm -hmm.